Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. John DeShazer serves as president of LogicSpree, where he works with his team to make Salesforce simple for small and mid-market businesses. Before LogicSpree, John had various corporate roles, but all were focused in the Salesforce space. Here today to share more about LogicSpree, how he sets boundaries, and what technology helps simplify his life is John DeShazer. John, welcome to the show. Sanjay, it's a pleasure to be here. So um, before we get into like the more interesting questions, I'd love for you to give us like just a 30 second minute background on who you are, where you're from, and what got you to the point that you're at right now. Sure. Born and raised in Georgia. Uh, I went to Georgia College and State University down in Millersville, Georgia, which I started my career in a very different pathway. Took me to Florida, back to Georgia, California, to back to Georgia again, starting over. Eventually, I found my way in the Salesforce space. And as my career continued to progress, um, I started getting more and more requests for support, help, or just expertise. And while I was working a corporate job, I was starting to do side projects. And that just sparked the idea that I could do this full time. And I discussed it with a friend. And we both decided that we needed more experience before we jumped into the consulting space. I happened to get recruited by a consulting firm right around that time. So I got the experience I wanted, set aside um, some of my finances, put together a business plan, and quit my job. Started Logic Spree about four and a half, five years ago. Okay, okay, that's awesome. Was this the first time that you've done something entrepreneurial or did you do something when you were younger, when you were a kid? That's a great question. I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. The best story has to do with um, video game emulators on PCs. So my brother taught me how to put them together and put them on floppy disks back in seventh grade. So I used to put Dragon Ball Z and Japanese version of Pokemon on floppy disks and sell them to my classmates. Until my parents told me to stop because it was highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you're when you're that old, you're probably not going to go to jail, I don't think. Uh... Uh, it depends how much Nintendo wants to go after children. <laughs> Um, exactly, exactly true. Um, well that, that's an interesting, uh, kind of start. Um, is there anything from those days that you kind of like, is there any kind of story? Like, how did you do the sales? Like, yeah. like, how did you make it all happen? Well, it, it actually just started off by putting the games on computers at school. Again, we weren't supposed to do that. Of course. And everyone asked, how do you do this? And instead of explaining it to them, I said, Hey, I can just do it for you. If you give me a couple of dollars. And so that's just how it started. Yeah. Just sparked the demand and people paid for it. I love it. What did you, uh, what did you use your newfound wealth uh, to, to spend on? What did you buy? Of course, you know, toys and candy and <laughs> starting into, you know, CDs. Nice, nice. Um, I do have a second story with that that's even better. Hit, hit, hit us up. So 
my junior year, we moved out to Covington, Georgia, uh-huh. and I was a wrestler. Now, in this school, we couldn't carry around gym bags unless you're an athlete. Okay. So I had a side job at Red Lobster as a busser, and I would take the money that I made, buy fruit snacks, put them in my gym bag, and then go around the school selling fruit snacks to people. Now, because fruit snacks, you can smash them. didn't matter. They were underneath my books. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, my second entrepreneurial route. I, I, I love that. There's a, So there's a common story I talk about a lot of times on this podcast, um, and yours is a variation of that, of basically candy bar arbitrage, right? Where uh, we go and buy candy bars at the convenience store, we bring them to school, we sell them for more, um, especially to the kids uh, whose parents won't give them candy bars uh, in their lunch uh, lunch bags. Um, and uh, we do that. And, and so I used my earnings uh, to buy comic books, um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of which I still have to this day, uh, from, from back in those times. Some of them are worth a, a good bit at yeah. this point. Um, maybe haven't kept up with inflation necessarily, but you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a good, uh, nostalgia, um, from the that. first thing I, I bought with uh, my earnings from selling fruit snacks was actually an iPod. An iPod. Okay. Yeah. Nice. D- that didn't get you into like any kind of music, uh, trading, uh, side hustle, did it? No, although I was burning CDs, but I wasn't selling them. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to hear. The MPAA is not going to come out or the RIA. <laughs> so, what, one of those four-letter acronym organizations won't come after you then. That's good. Yeah. Um, so when you were uh, working and then kind of doing this, you said that um, you thought you needed more experience. Uh, you needed to you know, get some consulting thing. Um, why is it that you thought you needed more experience before launching on your own? Like what, what was the piece that you felt like you were missing? Well, I knew how to do the work, but I didn't understand the business around consulting as far as the sales, the marketing, Got it. or even client relations. Yeah. Yeah. So in, uh, so when you started doing the consulting work, um, were you tr- intentional to try to figure out how to do that stuff? Um, or was it just accidental and they put you in the places that helped you learn those skills? It was very intentional. So I had the idea to set my own business around that space. So I learned as much as possible whenever there's a learning opportunity or an extra assignment, I took it. Got um, it. Specifically around just client engagement. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times when we talk about consulting, um, it ends up being a lot of travel for people that are consulting. Was that the case for you or was it uh, a travel light uh, kind of consulting engagement? There was, it was a good amount of travel. Now, most of my clients were in the Southeast, so it wasn't very distant, right. but I did spend a lot of time in the airport. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's tough. It's, uh, it's easy to do when you uh, have a lot less attachment or um, when you have a goal in mind like you did of, of starting a business. So, um, okay, so you get this consulting experience and uh, you are leaving, You, I guess you leave, right? Did, did you leave yeah. right away and start your thing? Okay, so you gave, put in your notice, um, what were the things that in your mind, other than the skills that you needed, um, was there anything else that you were like, okay, I need to make sure I have these things in place before I go out on my own? A business plan was critical. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, people overlook that. Um, but a business plan was something I made sure that, you know, I wrote multiple versions of it. It made sense to me. Other people read it. And also just having, having enough in my savings to go without income you know, to make sure that I had time to see the business actually, you know, develop before having to go back and get a job. How, how much time? Um, and so that was your fallback, right? So go back and mm-hmm. get a job if it didn't work out. How much time uh, did you set aside in terms of savings? Like how many months or weeks 
of savings did you have set aside when you went into this? Um, my situation, I think, is going to be different for other people. Right. I set aside um, two years of saving. So that wow. way, you know, give myself, you know, plenty of uh, runway. But I also would say I have a very low cost lifestyle. So that right. was another key thing was keep my expenses very low. Yeah. So, and, and those things are not generally what we attribute to consultants, right? Um, people that are, are in consulting, at least, um, they travel a lot. So they, they just spend, spend, spend. But you had this in your mind of, of going out on your own. So did you constrain your lifestyle? Did you like figure out ways to, to live cheaper and more affordably so you could extend that runway for yourself? Yeah, actually. And it, it actually came from that travel earlier in my career, from going from Georgia to Florida to Georgia to California. Essentially, I was constantly on the move. So I just kind of learned to just live within my means. Um, and I just kind of kept that mentality and that helped out and gave me flexibility when I did decide to step on my own. Yeah. How long did it take you to save up, um, that runway, uh, before you left? Um, between my previous corporate job, which was the Home Depot to IBM, I would say three years, maybe three years to save two years worth of runway. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's phenomenal. That's obviously uh, living well within your means and, and saving every penny that you can. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. What was it that made you decide that that was the right way for you? Um, you know, leaving what, you know, what you kind of quote as a, as this supposedly safe job and go out on your own. Like, was there one thing you're like, well, I want to do this because why? Like, what was that main motivator? Um, it may sound simple, but I just wanted to see if it worked because I like figuring out things, which is also why I enjoy consulting. Um, and so I developed this plan and had it in my mind of how to make this work. So now it was like, I can test it out. I can see if it actually will work. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and I think that's, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are, right? Like we want to just play with things and see if we can figure out how to make it all, uh, kind of fit together and, and work. Um, so, okay. So, uh, you're been in this now for four and a half, five years at this point. Yeah. Um, is it just you or do you have other people that work with you for you uh, yeah. within the company? So there's four of us on full-time salaries with benefits. We have one part-time person, I think another six contractors that we leverage on a part-time basis as well. Um, we'll probably grow another two to three full-time people before the end of the year. Yeah. And are, are you doing all of this remote? Is there an office? Like, how do you set up the the company? Yeah. So we're hundred percent remote and actually one person who I've been working with for about two and a half years, he works for us full time. He lives in South Chicago. I've never met him in person, <laughs> but we talk probably multiple times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's fascinating. And is that because, well, I mean, most of this time was probably the pandemic. Um, and is that just not worked out to meet up in person or is it just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Eventually we will meet, but yeah. we actually had, I had the idea of being remote from the very beginning, because when I was in the consulting space, our clients had their own offices and we had to go travel to meet them, right? So they never came to us. So I was like, well, do I need an office as long as I can go to see them and talk to them on the phone or use the internet? Right, 
Right. So, so you were you were well before the kind of rush during the pandemic because it's been four and a half, five years, right? So you uh, set this up intentionally from the very start. Exactly. And actually, I, before the pandemic hit in October of 2019, I spent a week in Frankfurt, Germany and worked from there just to see if anyone would notice. And no one did unless I told them. Yeah. Yeah. Ex except for the fact that you uh, only want to do afternoon meetings, right? There's that. <laughs> Line up your, the, the, the time zones for you. Um, uh, well, that that's actually a great segue into the, this next piece, uh, this next question. Um, what does it mean for you in terms of setting like boundaries between work and life and all that? And like, how do you manage all of those things? It, it seems like you've snuck in a little bit by, by going to another country and working from there and not telling anybody. Um, but what else do you do to kind of help manage those boundaries? Um, I would say expectations and goals with life overall, and that's more getting more philosophical, but um, when, when is enough enough? Like my goal is to be able to pay my mortgage and take vacations when I want. So I'm not going after every single dollar or trying to be the next billionaire, but my plan and my goals are to be stable, have enough and to be happy and reduce stress. And what, which means we're not going to be, you know, the largest player out there, but I don't have any plans to be. Yeah. So um, you mentioned stress. I want to ask you about stress and how do you manage that uh owning a, a business working having employees yeah. um, that are all over the place um and you know balancing that with life like is there something that you do is there some like hey i'm only going to work eight to five is there like wh what do you do to help manage that stress yeah so it's alignment with everyone so our hours are nine to five Eastern Standard Time, even though our clients aren't all Eastern Standard Time. And we can operate outside of that, but it's case by case basis. Um, but that allows us to all operate around the same time and to collaborate. But it also puts boundaries for everyone. So if someone wants to work late or work over the weekend, we put you know the brakes on that because that means everyone else has got to work on the weekend or at night because we have to collaborate. So that's a big piece of it. This us all working and collaborating with the same um, uh, constraints, essentially. Um, so this is interesting. You brought up a question for me. So you've got a fully remote team, but you're you're kind of uh, anchoring to the nine to five time Eastern. Um, you mentioned you've got one person in Chicago. Like where all, where is everybody else? Are they in roughly the same time zone as you, or, or are they spread out more than that? Uh, there's another person in Nashville. Um, everyone else is primarily uh, full time in Georgia. Then our contractors are Minnesota, Texas, Boston, pretty much split between Central and Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so that that's why that works because if you had people mm -hmm. on the West Coast, nine a.m. is six a.m. for them. But then again, they would get done by what is that? One o'clock, uh, three, yeah. two o'clock, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, which is that's not bad either to to be done with work by two in the afternoon and you have the rest of the afternoon to yourself. So um, do you see that yeah. changing if you grow the team uh, to other locations outside of kind of central and eastern time zones? We can see, I can see that changing based off of the concentration of our clients. Uh -huh. We do have clients on the West Coast. Uh, we concentrate heavily on like the eastern and central portion. Okay. Um, so there are more exceptions to the rule. And for our internal team, they can live wherever they like, as long as they're able to operate the same like time zone as us. Got so it. we had one person go and stay in Italy for a month. As long as he was willing to 
you know, work in our time zone, he could live and reside wherever he would like to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the time difference is between here and Italy, but, uh, yeah. I can't imagine it's, uh, it would be easy. That's working pretty late into the night, I imagine, but probably had it every morning to himself too. So, uh, that's kind of nice. Um, so as you've been, uh, building this company, um, is there any kind of technology or apps or systems that you've implemented that have helped you kind of grow, um, that you would recommend to other people as they're kind of thinking about going off and doing their own thing? Um, I would split that into two categories as far as technology and applications to help run a remote business versus something that just helps you maintain your own sick schedule and lifestyle. Um, the first area around just personal usage, there's two that I rely on heavily. Um, one, it's a little old school somewhat. It's called Rocketbook. Are you familiar with Rocketbook? Yep, I love Rocketbook, but explain it to the listeners. Yeah, so Rocketbook is just a simple notebook that you can write in, um, but you're gonna erase essentially what you write. However, there's a QR code on each page, so you can quickly scan your notes and put it into Dropbox, Google, or wherever. So that way you only need one notebook to write in, and you can scan and keep up with all your notes. The reason I list that out is because I write out my schedule every morning. So I know I need to get that done, that's important. And then everything else essentially is something that are like nice to haves, but it allows me just to focus on what needs to happen today. Yeah, I'll mention, since you're mentioning that, I actually use the note cards uh, uh, that are from Rocket uh, as well. And, and these are great. I have a stack of them sitting here right on my desk so uh, I can grab them anytime I want and, and take some notes down, but then also be able to wipe them clean. Yeah. With them. Uh, what else, John? So the next one is Calendly, actually. Just control over your calendar, but just allows you know other people to find time on your calendar um, to schedule time. But the feature that I think is just really um, important is that you can set limits. So instead of your calendar getting filled up, you can say, I don't want more than two meetings on my calendar set from Calendly per day. And so what I've done is set that limit. So I don't get back-to-back -back meetings, I get at max two meetings in a day. And then I also make sure that people have to set those meetings at least a day in advance. So it's nothing that impromptu, I can prepare for it. Right. So it always gives me time and space. And yeah. that's been critical. Yeah. Um, the reason for having just two meetings a day is because you have then time to do actual work. Because as we know, meetings are not real work. <laughs> it's just talking about work. Exactly. Okay. It's, um, so I have time to do work. I can work with my team, respond to their needs as well. Yeah. So I have time to do things. Yeah. So thinking back, it's it's been, like you said, four and a half, five years. Um, looking back, what would you, is there anything that you would do differently knowing what you know now? So that's more of a challenging question because a lot of things that say either didn't go the way I planned set us up for the future for future success right well, there's a number of things that did not go according to plan but they reinforce things like such as you know having contacts with attorneys like having a good attorney in mind good accountants um having someone to help review finances and plan those things out um you know we've learned some lessons the hard way but they just reinforce the importance of these key areas but just changing things I don't think so. I think it was the right time to do it. I think if I waited, it probably been the wrong time yeah. just because of, I didn't have that many personal responsibilities that were at stake when I did it. Yeah. So if things fell apart, it only impacted me. Yeah. 
Do you regret not uh, taking the leap earlier? I do not, um, because that learning experience was valuable. So I know there's a lot of there's um, sayings around you have to you know fail a few times before you can succeed. Um, I believe that you can learn lessons from other people, and you can get trained by other people as well. So you have to learn learn things the hard way. Right. I have several mentors that I learned, or I, I gained along the way, and they helped me pre- prevent me from making a number of mistakes. Yeah. So I'm not having to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so if there was somebody uh, you're talking to, or you know, one of our listeners here on the podcast um, that was thinking about taking the leap of uh, launching a side hustle um, like you did, or taking their side hustle into a full time business, what advice would you give somebody like that? The greatest piece of advice, I, I think, is to f- find someone who's already done it before and find a good mentor. Because there's a lot of people who have likely gone through the experiences that you're going to go through. And being able to ask somebody questions and feedback and even guidance is critical. That's more valuable than um, you know, any investment, I, can, I, I would say, in terms of monetary investment. Someone's knowledge and time that's willing to support you along the way. Yeah. You, you said that you've uh, had mentors or you have mentors. How did you find your mentors? Um, a few I met just through networking. Um, being part of the Atlanta technology scene, um, there's a number of entrepreneurs in this space. Mm-hmm. And I met a few. And I remember one, one particular person um, I met at a networking event. And he told me that he did the same thing I did 20 years ago. And he offered to take me out for coffee and tell me what he did right, what he did wrong, and see if you know anything of value he can share with me. Yeah. And did that then eventually become a full-fledged mentoring relationship? They, do you still talk to this person on an ongoing yeah, basis? Yeah, he's um I consider him a good friend these days as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's those things uh, I think are extremely important that people don't talk about as much as relationships you develop with people. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, business is a lot about relationships, not just your customers, but you know, vendors, mentors, your employees. Right. And it doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. How often do you, are you intentional about how often you speak to this person? And if so, like how often is it? Is it once a day, once a week, once a month? Yeah. Um, typically it's like, you know, once a month just because, you know, he's running his own business. Right. But he's somebody I can call up if I need something. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you have that. Um, well, listen, John, this has been uh, a great conversation. I think it's uh, great for listeners to kind of see this side of, of launching your own thing. Um, but if listeners want to find and connect with you, where can they find you online? I am on LinkedIn. We also have our website, logicsfree.com. But my full name on LinkedIn, of course, is uh, John Robert DeShazer. And we also have a company page on LinkedIn as well, Logic Spring. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, Well, thank you, Sanjay, for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X dot com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. 
You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparek.com.